We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back. You know, there's the four for 40 phrase, Ryan, but Notre Dame is going with four for four, four commitments in four days. We are back. My name's Brian Driscoll. That's Ryan Roberts. We're talking recruiting. Notre Dame has picked up another commitment from 2024 offensive lineman Peter Jones, who pledged to the Irish today, giving them four commits in four days, kick things off Thursday night with Jaden Osbury. Ben Minich went public with his commitment on Friday. Dylan Edwards was yesterday, and today is Peter Jones. And Ryan, it's a it's the latest example of Notre Dame being able to take kids that have said, hey, this is my process. I want it to go here, but Notre Dame's able to convince them to say, hey, no, now's the time. And that's the case with Peter Jones. Just another, another example of Notre Dame showing the power that it is wielding right now on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I mean, this is one, Brian, that we, I mean, we've been talking about for a little bit, right? Like we expected Peter Jones to ultimately choose Notre Dame whenever he did make that decision. But, you know, just as recently as after the barbecue, I had a chance to talk to Peter and he was adamant. I'm going to, you know, probably wait until after my junior year, you know, and and I'm going to kind of let the process play out. But after that visit, especially after the, after we had the quotes from him about, you know, just what the visit was for him and his family and, the ability to sit down with coach Freeman and coach he stand. And I mean, it was pretty much a done deal at that point for me. Right. Like I was like, uh, this is, this is going to be Notre Dame ultimately when the time comes, it's just, when is it going to happen? And I think that we talk about this sometimes. I think that this was a, and again, this is speculation on my part, but I think that this was a, a recruitment where Peter Jones was probably just waking up every day. which was just kind of like, what am I doing? Right. Like this, this is it, man. Like this is it, you know, it, it's, it's the perfect school. It's the perfect fit for me, my family. I, I just think it made too much sense in that regard. So Notre Dame wanted Peter Jones, Peter Jones reciprocated that interest. And here we are with the six commitments in the 2024 recruiting class for Notre Dame. You know, sometimes these sped up recruitments sometimes can catch us off guard, Ryan. This isn't one, you know, you you and I talked about this and I said, yeah, he's saying that, but we'll yeah. see. It, it reminded me a lot of Jaden Greathouse, Jaden Osbury. 
when they were talking about wanting to go into it, because it's like you said, it just kind of gets to the point where after waking up every day, we're like, dude, I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And Peter Jones isn't necessarily a kid who loved the recruiting process. It was more about just wanting to make sure that he was making the right decision. That's what the goal was for him extending his potential, his recruitment potential into the fall. But when you know, you know. And, and yeah. you know, as I was talking with a friend of mine last night, and we were talking about, you know, schools trying to flip kids and, you know, getting kids because they tend to produce, you know, this and that. And I say, you know, Notre Dame is that team at offensive line. Sure. You know, I mean, they, they are that team where when they get involved, you're like, oh, man, we thought we had a chance with this kid. But now it's going to be a lot tougher. And obviously they went into the state of Pennsylvania, got Peter Jones, who's the number. He's from Malvern Prep. He's the number 98 player in the country, according to rivals. Others have him ranked in the 200s, continuing the steam of pretty dramatic recruiting ranking gaps with the services. I tend to think he's closer to the rivals ranking as of right now. Uh, but this is a kid that that brings a lot to the table. We'll watch some film here in a little bit, Ryan. But, you know, you look, Pennsylvania's been really good to Notre Dame when it comes to offensive linemen. You know, in the last decade, they've signed five from Pennsylvania. Mike McGlinchey, he's pretty good. Robert Hainsey, he was pretty good. Josh Lugg's about to be a, you know, basically two-year, three-year starter. Mm-hmm. Andrew Kostofik helped solidify the offensive line last year. And then Michael Carmody's started multiple games already. So you're able to dip back into a state that's done a pretty good job of producing offensive linemen for you and for a lot of other people. And you're getting the best offensive linemen in the state, either class, in my opinion. You look 23 and 24 class, I'd argue that Peter Jones is the best offensive lineman in the state. So you beat Penn State out for him which is another big one. It's a big victory. He had an impressive offer list that included Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, all those type of, uh, all those type of schools. So uh, this is a, this is a big pickup in a lot of other ways too, Ryan. We talked about wanting to get back into Pennsylvania, being dominant in the Northeast, beating some of these schools in their backyard. And, you know, this is technically isn't their backyard. It's a couple hours away, you know, from, from happy Valley, but still, when you're Penn State, this is the kind of kid you're supposed to get. And Harry Heastan said, no, not when I'm involved. And that's a, just another big one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I mean, you have to think about it from this this um, this perspective too, Brian. It's like Malvern Prep is about an hour and five minutes from me. I just looked it mm-hmm. up before. So I'll be at a couple games this year to, ch- to mm-hmm. check out Peter Jones. But when you think about the powers of college football, this area and even into like the South Jersey, North Jersey area, they're Penn State heavy. They are. Like most of the people that I grew up with were Penn State fans. I was kind of like a weirdo that liked Notre Dame in, in South Jersey, you know? So – It is a very Penn State driven type of area right here, like the Malvern into New Jersey, up to north, northern Pennsylvania. Like that is a big, that's a big Penn State area. So I think that Penn State did do a good job from everything I've heard of from Peter, as far as I I would say that they were the second team for him. But it was just. They were the only team that had a chance, Ryan. They were the only team that had a chance. And and as you said, Ryan, you've been pretty consistent with this all along. Once Notre Dame got involved and made the push, it was it was when, not if. I mean, yes. that was right. And like you said, you know, Coach Troutwine did a really good job in this recruitment and and you know recruiting him hard and building that relationship. But once once Coach Eastan got involved and Notre Dame got involved, it was it was a done deal. I mean, it was just and, okay. How quickly can you make it happen? And I think that this is Coach Eastan's type of pl- yeah. a person, not yeah. just player. Yeah, because like he is just kind of that really tough physical kid who. It's, it's not the flash guy, right? Like, yeah. I mean, again, he just threw the graphic on but Twitter. Can, can I tell you about that? Yeah. So he didn't necessarily want to do that. He just yeah. committed and he was done. Like when he committed to the staff, he's like, okay, I'm done. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to tell anybody. Like I've told the people that matter. It's, it's my coach. And I told Notre Dame coaches. Notre Dame asked him, you know, I mean, somehow, some way, they kind of asked him, hey, can you can you make this a public thing? You know, and let people know. And he begrudgingly did it, you know, cause they understand it's important for a big, but I love hearing stuff like that when it's an offensive lineman. Like I don't want to, I don't want to do all this stuff. And then when he did do it, it was a heartfelt thank you to everybody. And you know, here it is. And okay, I'm moving on and here we go, you know, and we won't see him tweet again for another month. Right. Yes. And that's, you know, that's the kind of offensive lineman that, and again, it's not the only kind, you know, Blake Fisher's the polar opposite. He's been pretty good, but this is mm-hmm. typically the kind of kid that you see, be really interested in Notre Dame. All about business, right? I got. Yes. I'm all about business. This this is why Notre Dame has had a lot of success in like the Pittsburgh area because that's kind of where you get kids from there. They've had success mm-hmm. with Quentin Nelson in New Jersey. Obviously, we've talked about that kind of the hardworking nature. Quinn Carroll's a, a guy that kind of popped to my head when I was watching right. Peter Jones's film, who I think right. is a Minnesota kid, if I remember correctly. Right. Yep. But he's that same type of hardworking blue collar type of player. I don't think there's anything flashy as much about Peter Jones's film, which we'll get into, but there's just like a dependability factor Mm -hmm. to him. You know, like I know that he's going to come to work every day and he's, I mean, he's a kid that's not even a junior yet. And he's already six, five, six, six, 295 pounds. So obviously he has the physical tools just in the the way that he carries himself, I think is pretty reminiscent of what a Harry, he stand offensive lineman typically has been. And Notre Dame has only offered four offensive linemen so far in the class. So they're not in a hurry to pick kids and and so let's kind of get into to where this went and sort of what it means for the Notre Dame class 
Obviously, Notre Dame had to spend a few years playing catch-up after they signed a two-man class in 2020. It's Tosh Baker and Michael Carmody. Mm-hmm. Got a five-man class in 2021, which is Blake Fisher's class. And they got Joe Walt, Rocco Spindler, Caleb Johnson, and Pat Coogan. And then last year's class, they signed five as well, which got them really close to being able to make up for where they could just kind of get on a pace of, you know, four a year is kind of the, you know, goal with occasionally three. Yep. And then, of course, uh, Notre Dame has known for a while that Joey Tonona was not going to be able to play football anymore, or was at least it was trending in that direction, which them allowed allowed them to say, hey, we're now not only comfortable taking five, we may even take six if it's the right six, but five was kind of the, the target number. Six would have been, okay, if Monroe Freeling wants to come, if Samson Lola decides he wants to come, that's how you get to six, but five was the number because of the injury to Joey Tonona. Mm-hmm. Well, now you get in a situation where you've now had three strong numbers classes in a row because you have five now in the 2023 class when Charles Jagasaw jumped on board. Yep. So now Harry Heastan, because of the strong class that he put together in 2023 and the numbers for it, and because Tommy Reese was able to close on Billy Shrouth late, that now is turning out to be a huge commitment. Because if you lose Joey Tonona and then you didn't get Billy Shrouth, which if there wasn't a coaching change on the offensive line, I promise you with 100% certainty, Billy Shrouth is not at Notre Dame right now. Now you're talking about a three-man class, and now it's back to numbers again in 2024. Got to get numbers. Well, they're, they're, Tommy Reese was able to close on Billy Shrouth. Harry Heastan and, and the staff have been able to put a really strong five-man class together. So now they can focus on smaller numbers and more about impact and kind of what Coach Eastan is looking for. And, and it was very clear early on that Peter Jones was going to be a top guy. There's really two guys to me that stand out as top-of-the-board guys, and Peter Jones is one of those. And now we'll get into positional fit and all that here in a little bit, but it was obvious early that he was a guy that Harry Eastan set his sights on as like, that's a guy that I want to get in this class. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I think that that was his guy early on because – the one thing we've talked about a lot, Brian, and I mean, we were even texting about it a little earlier. The offensive line group, I think, has a lot to work out from the 2024 group because I don't think, right, like, early on, it doesn't look like a stellar class. That could right. obviously You're change. talking about nationally, right? Nationally, yes, in the national circuit. That's why I think that, and I know typically Harry Heastan keeps smaller boards, but I think that's for the most part why we mm-hmm. do also do have a smaller board. I think it does have mm-hmm. some parts of it to a degree, but I would say Peter Jones is a very high floor player in that class. Like I think yeah. that is, he has nice upside too, because I think that, I think that he has a very young approach to how to play the mm-hmm. game, but there's a lot of physical tools there. So I do think he has a pretty solid upside, but I think the floor is something that you get excited about. Like this kid, I think is going to play football on the next level and be a good football player at the very least. So I think we're getting a good player, obviously in the start. Mm-hmm. And this is the kid that I think that coach he stand. And again, this is speculation yeah. on my part. I think he zeroed in on him because he's like that kid I know is going to play football on the college level. Like that's, there's a a nice floor to this kid. Because to your point, Notre Dame is going to focus more on certain level of talent and focus on smaller numbers and fit and, and upside and those kind of things. But I do think it's important that you're, you have to get a kid that, you know, Ryan, to a degree has a floor and you establish the foundation of what you're going to get in the class. And I think that's what Peter Jones does. And I do think there's some there's some versatility to his potential position fit that will be determined by the next couple of years. Agree. 
And so I think that's one of those things where you know he can at least do this. Let's see how his develops as this other part, which we'll get into here in a little bit as well. I think so. This is a strong foundation build. This is another highly ranked kid that just gives you more kind of staying power. And I think it's also a situation where you you know that Notre Dame likes this kid because Harry Heastan has not been someone who's been prone to taking kids early. Right. He's he's a guy that wants to see more and more and more film. So the fact that that he did make this push this early is tells you exactly what we need to know of what he thinks about this kid, which is. Yeah, he's ready. And then we don't hear them pushing necessarily for a lot of other kids. Like I said, I think there's really only two kids right now that I know of, potentially a third, but I got to, we got to get more intel on him. Uh, you know, th- th- that's it. And it's because it is offensive linemen tend to bloom a little later. There's not a bunch of seven on seven camps we can look at as that with them as freshmen and sophomores. Big kids tend to grow into their bodies. There's going to be 290 pound kids who as sophomores were 220. That's just the reality of what we're going to, of what we're going to experience. And so I think they're rightfully being patient and they can be patient because of the numbers that they got in 2023 and 2022 and 2021. And so I think that's the important thing. Now, I think the depth of the last two classes is better, especially since they got Billy Shrouth. Mm -hmm. But that's the important thing too, is, you know, we're, we're, you and I have debated, okay, who's at the bottom? Is it Sam Pendleton? Is it Joe Odding? The fact that we're having that conversation speaks volumes about how deep, the 2023 classes, which again puts Notre Dame in a situation where they can be patient in 2024. They know they can be patient. We have been told by sources they plan to be patient. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're pushing for Harry Jones says speaks loudly, loud volumes, high volumes about what they think about this young man. And it just adds to what it's it's kind of funny. You know, last year was the defensive class that loaded up. Well, now in 2024, it's the offensive class that's loading up. You know, this is now the fourth. It's the sixth overall commit in the 2024 class. They have the clear number one ranked class in that in 2024. Too early to really puff your chest out about that. You know, you got six dudes, but it's such a great start. It's like, okay, the foundation is really strong. Fourth offensive commit to commit to Notre Dame to to go with C.J. Carr, quarterback, Cam Williams at wide receiver, Jack Larson at tight end. Now you have an offensive lineman, and of course you have two defensive linemen. So offensive staff is kind of is coming to play. You know they're they're stepping it up and they're and they're and they're getting to that point. And obviously getting a guy like Peter Jones is a is a great way to start your offensive line class. And I think it is some good foresight from the the, the coaching staff and the recruiting staff in general because the reason that they were pushing well, the reason that they have five in the twenty twenty three class and were potentially going to push it to six was I think they understood that. We're going to have a lower number in 2024 because mm-hmm. it's not there's not as many guys so right far, now yeah. that we're super excited about as it currently stands, right? So I think that's some good foresight on their end. But I also think that, like you said, they have clearly identified Peter Jones as a great fit. And I think that yeah. every part of the fit is why it's happening this early, right? It's not just good football player from an area that we've had some success in the state of Pennsylvania at offensive line. It's also it's a great kid. Great student. He loves Notre Dame. He wants to be at Notre Dame. It just kind of eventually, you know, you just kind of check all the boxes. You're like, yep, what are are we waiting for at this point? You know, like it's a kid that we like. It's a kid that likes us. It just makes too much sense. So I think it's a great start to this offensive line group that we should expect to be smaller comparative to the last couple cycles. But I think Peter Jones, and again, we'll get into the versatility aspect. He gives you a lot of possibilities, I think, positionally and just growth potential as well moving forward. Well, and I think if they end up going bigger in the class, it's because guys emerge, and that's a good place to be. 
and you know, so we'll we'll kind of see how that develops, right? And it, so we transition into kind of the next part of the conversation. I think let's talk about sort of positional fit, which will then transition into start watching some film. Yep. So I think the thing about Peter Jones is the the one thing when you recruit an offensive lineman this early, more often than not, a really big kid is going to have a little bit of difficulty with projection, especially when you have a kid this big, because you don't know how big kids are going to develop. Some mm-hmm. big kids are going to, as they get older and their bodies mature, they're going to see a jump in quickness and explosiveness. Other kids tend to get a little bit tighter or they're already developed. And that's just kind of who they are from an athleticism standpoint. We don't know what the answer to Peter Jones is going to be. And you and I were actually debating a little bit before the show even started about what his ultimate position is going to be in college at the next level. And I think right now, the way that Notre Dame recruits, I think right tackle is the is the position he plays in high school. It's a position I would imagine based on if things continue trending just in a normal progression, I think is where he would start his Notre Dame career. Mm-hmm. I personally have a little bit more questions about, well, not questions. I need to see more over the next couple of years Agreed. to see, especially as a junior year will tell us a lot, you know, does his athleticism pop a little bit more this season on film? Does he, ha- does he move a little bit better in space? Is his initial get off, you know, on the reach stuff a little bit better to overtake? Is he getting a little out of a stance a little bit quicker? Things like that. I want to see to make me feel more comfortable that he's a right tackle. But again, it's one of those things where he's either a right tackle or a guard. And either way, you got yourself a heck of a player that's going to be a great run defender. I think he's going to be a really good run defender. Both. The question is, is where he is he going to be best suited to be, you know, be able to thrive in the pass game? I think that's where his ultimate position will be determined is going to be how does he progress in space in the pass game? And and right now it's it's early. You know, it's a little too early to tell. I think it's something that it's even I think even, you know, you and I when I were talking, I I think you understand where, where my concerns are with it. Yeah. But I also understand why you think right tackle is a place where you're going to continue to to view him. I just I think my point that I think what we'll agree on is it's way too early to say he can't play tackle. Just sure. like I think it's a little too early to say, oh yeah, yeah, he's definitely a tackle. Here's sure. what you know. He's big, he's strong, he's powerful. And he fits with another thing that we were saying Coach Heastan focused more on, which is giant frames. Yes. The exception of Joe Odding, the kids that he recruited in 23 class are monsters. Charles Jagsall's huge. Eliza Page is going to be 6'7", 320 when it's all said and done. Sullivan Absher is going to be 6'7", 320 when it's all said and done. Sam Pendleton is going to be the little guy at 310 when it's all <laughs> said and done. And then, of course, you have Joe Odding. So, He's getting back to what it was under him. And if you think about like that 2017 offensive line, Mike right. McGlinchey was 6'8", 3'12". Your left guard was 335, 340 pounds. And, and, and uh, Quentin Nelson, your right guard, Alex Bars, was 320 plus. Your right tackle, Tommy Kramer, was 315. You know, Robert Haynes, he was the exception to the rule, not, you know what I mean, like as, as an undersized mm-hmm. guy. Sam Mustafer was a big kid. He he likes big movers. They got to be able to move themselves, right? And when I mean movers, guys that can come off and drive people. And I think that's the thing that you see from Peter Jones right now. Even at a young age, he's maybe 15, 16 years old right now, probably 16 right now. Yeah. That kid moves people. And even when his technique, and we'll we'll get into this when we walk when we break down the film, but even when his technique isn't right, there's snaps on film where he gets beat off the ball. And then he anchors and then drives the guy right back. Yes. Like, okay, that's a strong kid. <laughs> that's yeah. a really strong kid. 
Yeah, he's got a really strong core, a really strong lower half. There, it's all there, and I completely. And me and Brian again, like he said, we talked about this a little bit before, just kind of texting back and forth. And I agree. I think he could be a really good guard. There's no doubt. I'm interested to see the junior film mm-hmm. because, technically speaking, Brian, it's pretty solid. You know, for a sophomore, I think it's it's pretty good from a technical perspective. I think it's more the approach that he takes that I think is the reason that he's a little slow off the snap sometimes, a little bit unsure working in the second level. And we'll get into that during the film. But either way, whether he ends up at right tackle or inside a guard, this kid has displacement power. When he mm-hmm. gets inside of you, he's moving, the, he's moving the line of scrimmage in your offense's favor. So he's got that. He's got a massive frame that's going to work well in pass protection. And I think he has plus length. Like, I don't, I think that his length is fine. I think it's right. substantial enough where I think it gives him a chance to play right, right tackle. So right. It, this is a, I mean, maybe he ends up being a guy that can play multiple positions like a, you know, like a Alex Bars did at some points, or maybe he's a Josh Lug type player as far as m- m- working inside, outside a tackle, inside a guard, doing all those type of things. Right. That is what Coach Easton has liked in the past. Guys that can play multiple positions because that's right. the best way to get the, top five on the field. And I think that Peter yeah. Jones gives you that possibility because I think right. he can play a couple of different spots potentially. At the very least, he can play three spots in this offense right okay. now. He The potential to project to three different spots in the offense, and that's important. And and he's he's tall, but he's not – so at least so far, he's not too tall where it makes it, you know, difficult to have him as a guard. And, and even that's not like what it used to be because you're seeing more six, seven centers now or I mean, excuse me, uh, guards in, in the NFL and in college football now, Ryan, because uh, you know because you the shotgun helps you get away with that. I mean, it was harder to do that when you're going from under center because for your first three, four steps, I can't see over the guys in front of me. The right. shotgun has made it easier to put a Josh Lug at guard, to put an Alex Bars at guard. You know, really tall, big guys. And so, at the, but but as of right now, I mean, he could gain another inch and still be a guy that can can stay inside it. His his height isn't a detriment to moving inside at all. Uh, I think I agree with you. His arm length to me is that I wrote in my, my, my uh, class impact article. He's a, he's above average right now at arm length at at least from what I can tell on film, you can see in the, in the, in the stance, he's able to kind of have an erect upper body because he's got the long enough arms to get into his stance. A lot of guys kind of have to either hike their butts up or they have to lean over because their arms aren't long enough to get them or they have to get into a two-point stance. That's the only way they can play on the edge. With Peter, he's playing in the three-point stance. And what I love about three-point stances is it gives you a little bit of a glimpse to see what kind of arm length the guy has, right? Yep. And you you see, like I said, above average arm length. And he's got a big upper body. Like, mm-hmm. he is a big kid. Like, you just see pictures of him, you're like, boy, this guy's just this is a big boy. He, he looks like, a, even though he's not a Pittsburgh kid, he looks like a Pittsburgh kid. Right. Like it looks like he spends a lot of time, you know, throwing around the steel out there in Pittsburgh. Right. So that's, that's <laughs> right. what it looks like, man. Right. Right. So, really good pickup in that regard. And, you know, that that whole nonsense we were hearing, a, you know, year was it eight, nine months ago about, I don't know if Harry Heastan can recruit. You know, is he going to want to recruit? That's That's been pretty much destroyed. It was always Since... nonsense. Yeah. But it's uh, six, he, six, six commits since that take was made. Yeah, right? he, I mean, he's uh... been here basically seven months, essentially. Mm-hmm. was what officially hired in late January. He's got yep. six commitments. And was it one, two, half of them rank as top 100 players by at least one service? And Elijah Page should end up being better end up being there when it's yep. all said and done as well. And all of them are ranked in the top 250 by at least one service. So I'd say that's pretty good. 
That's pretty yes. good. This is more of a traditional Harry Heastan pickup, though. And that's what has made sort of the 2023 class unique is, you know, you've got you've got Charles Jagasaw, who's an Illinois kid that that tracks. Sure. No, but you went out and got a kid from Kansas and Joe Wadding. You went down to North Carolina to get two kids. You know, last time Notre Dame signed a kid from North Carolina was before Harry Heastan was the O-line coach the first time. You know, it's just not a normal thing. You got two of them from there. You go down to Arizona and get a kid, right, which is something you don't necessarily see them do a lot. This is more of the traditional Notre Dame pickup mm-hmm. when you look at just the region, but also an important area because Pennsylvania – does not produce talent like it used to, but it still produces a lot of talent. And it'd be really nice to, to continue recruiting successfully in that state. And you definitely have to recruit that state well, offensive line wise. And the, and the fact that they were to go into Pennsylvania and despite the best efforts of Penn state and they, and again, they, they did a really good job. They've tried hard at this. He's been to campus there four times, four times. Mm-hmm. He's been to Penn state's campus at least four times. Yeah. He's been to Notre Dame at least three times. Mm-hmm. but he's been there at least four times and they were able to, to convincingly beat Penn state for this pickup, which again says a lot about the power that Harry Heastan wields it from a reputation standpoint. And that's what was always missed. He doesn't have to grind like Al Washington does because Al Washington has things to overcome about convincing top linemen to come to Notre Dame. Mike Mickens has sure. things he has to overcome when it comes to convincing top corners to come to Notre Dame. Same with Dean McCullough, same with Chancey Stuckey. There's two coaches just can walk in a room and with the interlocking ND on their chest and be like, hey, you know, we've got something here. It's the tight ends coach, whoever it is, and then Harry Heastan. And it's because of him more so than Notre Dame. The reputation Notre Dame holds is because of what he did at Notre Dame. Sure. So there's a lot of mediocre offensive line play from the end of Joe Moore's tenure to the beginning of Harry Heastan's tenure. Mm-hmm. And so now that he's back, it just really shows that he can kind of walk in the door and be like, yep, I want that guy. And it's like, okay, cool. You got a coach. And it's a really impressive thing. And Notre Dame doesn't have to stray out of this area too often for offensive linemen, right? I mean, it's like Midwest, Northeast. That's what you need, right? I mean, like you'll get your occasional Jared Patterson out of Cali. And you mentioned like Tosh Baker out of Arizona and Elijah Page out of Arizona. But for right. the most part, the Midwest and the Northeast do a really good job right. developing offensive linemen. I mean, think of the best offensive linemen Notre Dame have had over the recent years. You talk about Mike McGlinchey out of Pennsylvania. You talk about Quentin Nelson out of New Jersey. Uh, Ronnie Stanley was what, from Maryland, if I remember correctly? He was somewhere? from Nevada. Ne- oh, You're I'm thinking right. of Sam oh, Mustafer. You're thinking of Sam Mustafer. He went to Bishop Gorman. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. You're, you're thinking yes. of Sam Mustafer. So yeah. he, he is the exception, but for the most part, there is a general area that offensive linemen are developed really well, and I don't think Coach Hussain has to sh- stray outside of that too often. Yeah. So, Ryan, let's watch a little bit of film, and let's kind of show people what we like about – and <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about something else real quick because – Chrome is being ridiculous, so I just I, I now know how to fix it. So let me go ahead and fix it. But uh, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about this 2024 offensive line class and yep. talk about the numbers. And one of the questions we got down there from people was talking about the numbers yep. and where they are. And I think that's an interesting conversation because there was a time when three was fine. You're fine. Yes. You know, you're at three. You're good to go. I'm curious to see how the Joey Tonona situation impacts impacts where the staff is right now with this. Right. Yeah. And I, I Brian, I was going to say three to four is the number right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I think three for a while to your point was 
that's all you really need after back to back to back five man classes, right? Like that's a pretty good trend, obviously, from a numbers perspective. But with the Joey Tadona situation, with the with the unfortunate retirement, you may push it to four now. So I think that either way, though, it's still going to be three to four. And we could talk about a couple of guys that are on the board for Notre Dame. I know Brian mentioned there's another kid that's on the board that Notre Dame is very high on and I think would be an absolute take right now if he decided that he wants to come to Notre Dame. And that that is Gerby Lambert, who is out of Central Memorial out there in Massachusetts, who is the teammate of Bubakar Traore, the 2023 commit defensive line commit for Notre Dame. So I think Gerby Lambert's a guy that you need to keep an eye on, a guy that Notre Dame likes. And then there's only other two other commits that are on the, I mean, two other commits, two other um, recruits. That was a slip of the tongue, not a accidentally releasing information that people, yes, I just make sure people understand. I promise that those players are not committed to Notre Dame right now. That is an absolute promise. So two other recruits that are on the offensive line board are Josiah Thompson, who's out of the state of South Carolina, and Kyle Altooner, who is out of the state of Maryland. Altooner is a pure inside player. He's going to be a guard center type of player. Really good technician, though. Really good technician. Physical. Has a lot of good traits to play interior. I think he could be a center long-term. I think he'd be a really good one. But either way, I think he's a guard center. Good football player. And then the other one's Josiah Thompson, who is a really interesting player out of the state of South Carolina because he is extremely raw. And I know there's going to be some questions of guard-tackle combination for Josiah. Josiah reminds me a lot from a physical and technical perspective to an Eric Eric Flowers that played at Miami. Massive kid, solid feet, but it's just a big frame, man. So, like, things are clunky at times redirecting, but I think he can last at offensive tackle. So those are the three guys that are on the board right now. I think Gerby Lambert's the guy that Notre Dame is most – intrigued by right now, but I think that you are at some point going to see this board expand a little bit because I think they're still trying to feel out the rest of the offensive line class and see exactly how each of these players. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the, uh, how the board kind of takes, takes shape move forward here. That's the interesting thing about this class though, Ryan is we are seeing a lot of kids who are raw and that's not abnormal for this early. And, and that's the thing that people have to understand is most offensive linemen are pretty raw. I think the reason you're seeing more and more receivers be advanced is because they're playing in seven-on-sevens from the time they're freshmen in high school. And that's not the case anymore when you look – it's not the case right now with offensive linemen. There just aren't those kind of events all the time for them to just play offensive line. I think it also requires a lot more specialty type of teaching and coaching uh, from uh, you know than, than a receiver. And so – you're seeing kids more raw, but here's the thing about this class, Ryan, from a from a standpoint of, of uh, you know, building it is because of the numbers and the high floors plus ceilings that you've got in the last couple classes. In my opinion, like a guy like Ty Chan, not a real high ceiling guy to me. High floor though, Billy Shrouf, both high floor and high ceiling. You know, there's a lot of guys like that. Charles Jagasaw is raw, but a very high floor just because of his talent alone. You know, I'd argue the same thing with Sullivan Absurd. Needs technical work, but I don't call him raw because I think the size, the athleticism, the power is all there. Just, you know, he needs to be coached up a little bit. Elijah Page is very fundamentally sound. The point being, there's a lot of guys you feel comfortable with in those two classes. Plus, you have numbers, 
Right. You've signed 14 kids in three years, nine in the last two that are still that are still able to play. I, I'm curious if they're going to maybe take a couple more risks, so to speak, in this class. Because if it's not a great offensive line class, there may be merit to taking a, a Ronnie Stanley. You know, mm-hmm. and then remember, Ronnie Stanley was not a highly ranked guy coming out of high school because he was super raw. You didn't really know what he was going to be. You say, hey, this guy's got a lot of it. I mean, super tall, long, mm-hmm. athletic, but not sure how powerful he is and not sure how physical he is and, you know, really raw technically. Like, you just didn't know what he was going to be. Low floor, really high ceiling. Yeah. And they took him and it, you know, ended up working out great. And and to me, there's merit to say, hey, look, let's go, let's go find some of those guys in this class because you can take some of those chances. And you're going to kind of need super high ceiling guys if they're going to come in and battle with the guys that are already on campus. You're not beating out the guys in the last two classes if you don't have a lot of raw natural ability. A Ronnie Stanley type, a Mike McGlinchey type, who was another raw guy that you didn't really know what he was going to pan out to be. But man, mm. he had some really special tools where like Quentin Nelson was, okay, super high ceiling, but incredibly high floor as well. You know, Liam Eikenberg had a really high floor. Robert Haynes had a really high floor. Tommy Kramer, to a degree, had a really high floor, which is why a lot of those guys were kind of able to get on the field somewhat early in their careers. Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to take a chance, and I would actually like to see Notre Dame take a chance on some really high ceiling, rangy athletic players. In this Joel's. next class, the, yes. the Joel's the Joel. of the world, right. yeah, yeah, I agree, absolutely, absolutely. And that's why I mean, that's and I think you have you have, right now. Notre Dame has a couple of those guys that are on the board, right? I mean, I just talked. About I mean, Jus- what Josiah we just Thompson. described is also Gearby Lambert. I mean, that's yes. that's that. I mean, that kid you know, has stud written all over. Right, him, though, working with but he's got a long way to go before he's there. Right, sure, but but you can take that. a chance on a kid like that in this class. Yep. And here's the thing, tying it back to the original topic. That's especially true when you are when you start your class off with Peter Jones. That's because yeah. see, Peter the, the the question with Peter is the ceiling. And mm-hmm. that's what we're gonna have to see over the next couple of years. I like a ceiling, but is it four and a half star kid? Does yep. he have five star? It's too early with a kid like that because he's sure. a different type of player. He's not a wow, he's this really long athletic freaky kid like Ronnie Stanley was or like Mike McGlinchey was like Gearby Lambert is where you're like oh man you know if it all clicks he's going to be great if it all clicks for him he could just be a really good Robert Hainsey type produce producer different skill sets different bodies I'm just talking about the just Robert Hainsey was a four-year starter in our name that nobody really ever talked about as like he should have right yeah. I mean he was a heck of a player but it was always it was always, you know, Aaron Banks and, and Liam Eikenberg and rightfully so. Those guys were really good. Oh, Jarrett Patterson's the leader of the offensive line. And I'd kind of laugh at that. I'm like, that's because Robert said that, right? But Robert right. was the captain of that. You, you know what I mean? Like it just, mm-hmm. but that's the kind of guy he was. He just went about his business every day. That's Peter Jones to me at the at the floor. Yep. The question mm-hmm. is, is do he have, does he have the, the Liam Eikenberg type of ceiling? That's the question for me. And that's what we're going to find out. But because the floor is so high at a young age, I think that also combined with what you've got in the past gives you a chance to say, hey, look, we can take some chances with some of these guys. And I think that's huge. I I think it is too. And I think you need that in just almost every position group. I mean, if we're being honest, I know that Micah Bell committed to Notre Dame before Christian Gray, but I think of that similarly to a, you know what you're going to get out of Christian Gray. Well, he is a high, high. Micah floor. Bell publicly committed to Notre Dame before Christian Gray. 
sure, sure, sure. <laughs> well, yes, yes, yes. Well, it's another conversation for another day. But the fact that you have the floor of a Christian Gray in this class allows you to even more take a chance on a guy like a Micah Bell, right? But it fits your point, though, Ryan. I mean, what I just said fits your point, because even though Micah Bell went public first, they already knew they had Christian, which fits the point you're trying to make. Sure. Yeah. And I I think that you, you need that type of player, right? Like, you need those type of guys. I even think of it as running back right now, right? If you get a Jeremiah Love... I would argue that Jane Lamar probably has a higher floor than Jeremiah Love, but Jeremiah Love's ceiling is obviously much higher than a Jane Lamar. But the fact that you have a Jane Lamar makes you feel really content with taking such a high upside player with a Jeremiah Love who, you know, maybe he won't, if he doesn't pan out, maybe he's not as good as a Jane Lamar just because of that floor, but the upsides will get you excited. So I think you need that balance of high floor versus high ceiling players. And I think those high floor players give you the chance to take that gamble to your point. So we've got the film back up. So this is nice. When we went through this last time, I realized what the fix was. The only problem is to make the fix, you have to change your settings, which causes you to relaunch your thing. Then you have to turn it back on, which causes you have to relaunch your page. So that's why I had to dip out a couple times. But moral of the story is rule number 76, Ryan. No excuses. Play like a champion. (laughs) So let's pop in some film of Peter Jones. And the first thing you guys are going to see is this is a big physical kid a really big physical kid and and th- you said it rightly ryan it's a harry he stand type of kid yeah you see it, the finish there that's i mean yeah. go ahead ryan well no i was just gonna say i, I want people to remember again that this is a sophomore <laughs> you know yeah. it, it's 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 pretty crazy to think yeah. of this size but i mean even on there i think there's some really nice technical stuff that the he already pad does. level here is this is a six five six six kid look at the pad level because like to me, Ryan. Sometimes I wonder: is he a bit of a waist bender? Like I, I you know, yeah. the, I'd like to see him like kind of bend to the knees more. But this is the kind of encouraging play because some guys are just not naturally loose in the lower body where they kind of have to be weight spenders. And the, but the problem why is what's why is that a concern? Waist benders tend to play high. Sure. It's not an issue with Peter Jones. I mean, mm-hmm. this pad level here is really good. And watch his hands. He, I want you all to watch two things throughout this film. Number one, pad level. Number two, he does a great job of getting his hands involved. Now, there's things like placement and get stronger that, that are important, but he understands the importance of getting his hands and in, get involved in blocking. So many young kids, Ryan, just hit you in the, in the face, with hit you with their face and their shoulder pads, and mm-hmm. they just move you. Peter doesn't do that all. Doesn't do that often. He understands you've got to use your hands. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, he's got some powerful hands, man. You can mm-hmm. see there's some points to your point when we first started that he'll get inside of you and it looks like it's kind of a stalemate, but then he'll just kind of give a little jolt to the to the uh, yeah. to the shoulder pads and then just kind of retake that momentum, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive stuff. Cause I would argue that. 
there are some reps where I think his lower body and his upper body are a little disjointed. You know? Right here. And so I keep re- I was waiting on you to get there because that's exactly what this clip is. Yep. Yep. So his upper body gets jolted back a little bit. His legs are under him, but like your upper body and your lower body are not working together here. But the fact of the matter is, look, look at that little pop in the hands there to finish that one. That had nothing to do with his lower body. That was all mm-hmm. upper body on that particular rep. Mm-hmm. These are the things that make me, these are the plays like this are, are really when I start saying, okay, can this kid stay at tackle? It's that lateral quickness in the run game that, that, I, I got to figure, is this a technical problem or is he just not a really explosive guy to have a stance? And then there's times he shows you a little something. He looks yeah. more comfortable on the edge and pass pro than he does necessarily get into those reaches and things like that. And that's kind of the question I need to see filled out. But you, you know, what is, well, you know, what really is nice for him for his age, though, and a couple of those reps where you see them running some outside zone, mm-hmm. he has a really good inside hand, man, which yeah. is something that some college offensive linemen yeah. struggle with, you know, getting that inside. Let's hand show that. Run. Let's, let's show that. This is a great yeah. example of what you're talking about, Ryan. So p- talk people through what you're talking about. Cause so, so just so you know, so like you look at this play, okay, here's what we're talking about. They're running an outside zone play here. It's a stretch play. He's actually blocking this guy right here. He's going to have, so these two are supposed, the tight end and him are supposed to be working together to get this guy with the goal of the tight end being able to either come off here or come off there, depending on what the blocking scheme is. Peter's got to overtake this guy. And that guy's in a, I mean, it's almost kind of like he's more in a seven eye than a five, right? And I mean, he's kind of trying to split that gap a little bit, which means he's further away from Peter than you ideally want to be. And so that's kind of, so I just want to kind of set the stage. So talk people through what you're referring to here. Yeah. So the inside hand, so it would be his left hand here. You want to be able to seal off this defensive end that is on an outside shade of you. So you want to be able to attack his upfield shoulder and his inside chest to be able to run and to displace that gap. So it's a difficult thing. You'll see a lot of college players struggle with this. You'll see guys take that outside bucket step be able to get their leverage, but then they kind of lose that leverage because they don't work that inside hand well enough. But you see Peter does a really good job on outside zone working that inside hand. And I almost think, Brian, for me, I'm curious if this kid is just more worried about the technical side than just being the athlete that I think he might be. That's kind of where my question is. Yes, you nailed it. Like, is it a technical thing? Is it an athletic thing? That's what I'm still uncertain of. Yeah. But it is a question for me at this point in time. Because then there's other things you see. We're like, okay, that was some good foot quickness there. Yeah. Pass pro-wise, he has an understanding what he wants to do. But his his footwork is is a bit of a, like, this little, like, short little hop thing. I mean, it works in high school. But, like, that's going to have to change, right? Yeah. But the point is he keeps his base. His hands are ready to fight. He's sitting on his butt, not leaning forward. He's also not on his heels. You see right there, like he's on the balls of his feet. He's got a good power stance. His just footwork's got to get cleaned up. So this is the thing Ryan talked about earlier. He's got a very young approach to the game. I mean, there's a lot of things to work on, but he also has a really good understanding of how to play offensive line for his age. I would say that he's not where you want him to be in regard to uh, Notre Dame player because he's a sophomore in high school in this film. But right. he's pretty advanced for his age. Like this play right here is a perfect example, Ryan. It's like his shoulder pads almost never hit the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's all hands. You know, he's he's staying. He's just using his hands and getting his hands, and then keeping his butt low and driving. He drives yep. his feet. Occasionally, he'll stop his feet on the point of contact, but more often than not, you see him do stuff like this. And that's the thing I really like about him. I mean, this is great movement here. 
Sure I mean, is. he just he just washes this guy down and just opens up that run lane. Yeah. And this is I, a I, sophomore in high school, dude. A hundred percent. And, and that, that's what gives me some hope, Ryan, is that I think that he I would guess that this kid takes the coaching really well because he seems a little mechanical at times right. with his movements. And that's where I'm interested to see as he becomes even more and more comfortable in his technique. Is that where the athleticism gets unlocked? Because right. he is. He's a pretty advanced kid for a sophomore, man. Like he takes right. pretty good angles. He's got good hand usage for the most part. Keeps a solid low base. There's yeah. a lot to work with from a technical I, perspective here. I want to point out this play because this is actually a bad highlight for him in a lot of ways. And and he comes off high, right? Like we're praising this pad level, but again, sophomore, he's going to make plays like this. The pad level, not this play. This is pretty good. The pad level on this next clip is he's he's high. His feet stop right when he makes contact. Because he's high, that guy gets up into his chest, so he's not using his hands as effectively. There's a lot bad here, a mm-hmm. lot bad here. But what I love is the recovery, right? He he sinks in. He's beat off the snap. He sinks in and just drives us get off the ball. That's the strong part of this clip. There's a lot that I don't like about this clip. And this is what I always say. Like high school kids, what they think is a highlight is not necessarily what a highlight actually is to a coach. But that's the thing is sometimes it's good to see those plays because, okay, he didn't play well on that snap, but he recovered. He battled. He kept competing. You want to see that. Did you see him fire off the ball in that last clip, man? That that was This is what pr- you see more often than not, right? Yeah, that's a pretty nice down block, let, man. Let, let, me, <laughs> let, let me explain why this is impressive to everybody. He's the tackle right here, Okay. This defensive lineman is actually on an inside shade of the guard. Correct, Ryan? Like, mm-hmm. that is an inside shade. That is a one technique, two eye, however you define it. That is a tight technique. Yep. I would contend that Peter beats the guard to that guy. Watch this clip. He he gets to that guy either right before or at the same time as the guard. This guy lines up inside of him. Look at that. He beats the guard to the guy that's lined up inside of the guard. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> the guard's trying to recover and get a piece of this guy. That that's, that's the stuff that makes me say, okay, that's there's something on Ryan. You said something to me uh, in our text conversation. You said you think that there's some athleticism to be unlocked. There is what your comment was to me. Yeah. I think these two clips right here are examples of of where okay. I see what Ryan's talking about here. Yeah, that's explosive out of the stance. And then the other good thing is we can talk about his technical prowess for his age. It's a great angle, man. That's an easy block where, like, if you don't come flat enough, you just you you hit that kid, but he's able to still get upfield um, upfield um, penetration, and it kind of messes up the play a little bit. So yeah, I I think there's something there. I think there is something there. We'll see how much it develops, but at worst, I mean, this next pass pro is another example. This is a quicker pass pro than we normally see from him. Like you really see some lateral quickness there that that we don't always see, and I always feel like if you can do something athletically once or twice, it's in there. You know, you're not a four eight guy that just I'm feeling good today, so I run a four four, right? right? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like if you can do it, you can do it, right? Like I can't dunk some days and not others, depending on what I had for lunch. I can't dunk. You know what I mean? Like I'm not <laughs> going to have a good day and all of a sudden be able to jump forty inches. You know, that's not how it works. So when you do see it. You're like, okay, it's there, you know, but how does it progress? It's another, you know, working hard to get outside, using those hands, keeping it. He does a nice job too, Ryan, 
when he's working on that on zone stuff of keeping his eyes downfield and looking yep. for work. Not and he's feeling what's in front of him, but then looking for what's kind of coming next. Hundred percent. And it's a talented football player. And again, like advanced feel for what he's doing. You love the you love the foundation. That here, I don't know what he's doing here. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like he's trying some new pass pro technique, and it's like, nah, it's not working. That's, like he's, it looks like he's stuck between a forty-five and a vertical. Yeah. He doesn't really know what he right. wants to do here, but but yeah. he does a yep. nice job with his hands. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. It, it's he, his. I don't know. Again, I, it, you know what it looks like. It's looked like you ever see a guy cramp up and try to run. Like yep. it looks like he's cramped up and trying to run. Uh, it's really ugly. But look at the hands. Mm-hmm. You know, if shoots his hands fast, gets good power on the kid. He he his like his hand technique needs work, but his yeah. understanding of how important hands are to blocking is really ex- impressive for his Agreed. age. Really Agreed. impressive. And, and I I think that the the thing too, Brian, is even if he's just a guard, just a guard, like guards aren't important. But it, it's it's I think that he is a player that the power is easy, so you can see you know there's going to be some gap scheme upside, some power football. But then also he has good technique from on an outside zone perspective. So I think this is a, also a scheme versatile player that can kind of do a little bit of everything in the run game, which is big time. Yep, impressive player. We'll just kind of let these next few clips play out, and then uh, kind of uh, wrap up a little bit on. Uh... What's next? And of course, we'll answer your questions. Anytime we get together, we'll always answer questions. So if you're going to have some questions for us at the end of the show, go and throw them in now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you don't have any questions, we'll take the rest of this nice, beautiful Sunday off. Well, actually, <laughs> it's not actually that beautiful today. It's a little overcast and not feel like it's like New Jersey or something today. It's just not. New Jersey's not, actually nice today, man. <clears throat> yeah, nice. so you guys, you guys stole our sunshine. I don't like Apparently. it. Apparently. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. He's getting, you know, I think the one thing too is when he does have to work for spell, oh, a little defensive clip there. When he does have to work one. for space. Yeah. Um, when he does work in space at times in the run game, he can get a little bit high, you know, but that's mm-hmm. something that can get worked on. He's very high on defense. <laughs> yeah. He is not a future defensive lineman. This guy's like, ah, this is, this is, uh, this is just not fair. Why am I trying to block this guy? So that, folks, is Peter Jones. So, Ryan, I think that clip shows everything we talked about, right? Great size, you know, understands the importance of working his feet, understands the work importance of using his hands, doesn't always know how to use those things properly, but he knows he needs to. Right. And I think that's a really important thing because we know Harry Heastan can coach that. You see power, you see hand strength, you know, you see, you see the un- again, the understanding of being able to finish. There's a lot of things he doesn't necessarily do great, because he's young, but he understands the importance of those things clearly from watching this film. And the other thing too about him is he's so big and he looks kind of grown that I think we kind of forget maybe that he's at most 16 years old. He has, he has an older face, man. Yes. Yes. He's going to get stronger. He may not get a ton bigger. He may not end up being a 320 pounder. He may only gain another five, 10 pounds in the next couple of years. It's not the point. He's going to get a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key. And and we'll see how the, the agility and the, and the athleticism and all those type of things play out. But right now, right tackle with the talk, with the opportunity uh, to to get into a guy that could maybe move inside is yep. the key. 100%. So Peter Jones, Ryan, really strong pickup. And now Notre Dame gets to focus on the rest of the 2024 class on the offensive line. I'm very curious to see 
how it goes. I don't anticipate a lot of movement with that moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're going to see necessarily a lot of stuff where, okay, they're going to they're going to go out and get two more offensive linemen in the next month. I really do think, and 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 this is kind of the impression I've gotten. There's the kids that they like that they've offered, mm-hmm. but a lot of kids they're just hey, let's see how let's see how the junior season goes. Right. You know, Eva- evaluation yep. period. Big. Yep. Yep. I right. Agree. And that's going to be important. So that's uh, Peter Jones, everybody. Six commitment in the. 2024 class. Can, can I say something, Brian? Though it's, it, I'm really disappointed with Dylan McCullough. He's the only offensive coach that has not on the board for 2024. Man, what is he doing right now? Well, Honestly. he's also the only new coach that got on the board for 2022. So I'll give him a little bit of a break. That's fair. You know, That's fair, fair. so yeah. he's like, I'm sorry, I was trying to recruit guys that are already going to be he's, here. He's hit you know? two classes already yeah. as well. So he's. I mean, look in the guy's defense, he's already got someone on the roster. No other new coach can say that. And number two, he's out there recruiting dudes for other coaches. You know, he got a chance. He stuck your receiver yesterday. So, uh, I, I, you know, obviously we're Jay, Ryan's having some fun with Coach McCullough at his expense. But, man, it, it is amazing what a staff can do when you actually hire good recruiters, right? And and it, it, it's an, and, and I, that's not meant as a shot at Jeff Quinn because Jeff Quinn's most recent offensive line class was, class was pretty pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. You know, some high-end talent. You know, in the 2021 class, good depth last year, and obviously got better when when Harry Heat, when uh, uh, Tommy Kramer or Tommy Kramer, Tom Reese was able to add Billy Strouth at the end. You know, he did a nice job. That it was other positions that were bigger problems in offensive line. The last, from a recruiting standpoint, the last few years, and so it, it really is impressive to see what this class is able to do uh, when you actually give. You give Tom. It's the funniest. I, I think we talked about this. I don't know if you and I have the same problem that that me and Vince and me and Sean Davis have, which is sometimes I don't remember. Did we talk about that in a show or in a private conversation? But it's it is kind of funny that you know we've said we said last year when when Tommy when the new staff got hired that it's going to be fun to see what Tommy Reese can do with a good staff around him because we felt he was a very strong recruiter. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of funny that the offensive staff offensive class now looks great, potentially get even better. But they don't have a quarterback yet, right, <laughs> you know. Right, I know. Um, you know, got a five star in the twenty twenty four class, but that's what kind of makes it funny. But it is, it is, it is nice to see that offensive recruiting has caught up to what the defensive staff was doing in recent months. Yes. Now, obviously, the defensive staff had a bit of a head start because Marcus Freeman had all of last year. He had he had Mike Mickens last year as well. Uh, Mike Elson was a good recruiter. You know, he 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 was he was he did a good job. For Notre Dame, so the the foundation was already established with Marcus as the defensive coordinator. Tommy Reese was at times a one man show, to be completely honest with you. Now you've got that staff, and you're seeing what they can do. and And twenty three is impressive. I'm really curious to see what they do in twenty four as well. Can they put back to back great classes together? Uh, twenty four mm-hmm. obviously has the head start already at quarterback, but we'll see kind of how it goes everywhere else. But Notre Dame remains red hot on the recruiting trail. And it's like every time we get ready to say, yeah, it's going to slow down a little bit. Like a week ago, I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, they're going to slow down a little bit. We knew Osbury was coming up. And then, you know, kind of had a feeling that, you know, that they were going to get Ben Minich. We knew that was going to happen. Then all of a sudden, bam, out of nowhere, Dylan Edwards pops up. And then, you know, Peter Peter Jones is adamant to Ryan, like, you know, I'm going to go into the season. And all of a sudden, bam, I get, you know, get a call last night about he's going to commit today. So, uh, it's um, and if you're on the message board, which I don't know if it's back up and running again, but if you're on the message board, you'd have got a heads up that some good news was coming today, uh, last night. So, 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't say right now it's a great time to be on the message board because yeah, it's a bit of a pain in my butt right this second. But um, yeah, but we'll we'll get this thing rocking and rolling. So Ryan, 2024 recruiting, it's going to be fun to cover, man. I sure I just is. hope they don't fill up too fast because then it's going to like we're going to have a few months where we don't have anything to talk about. Well, no, 2025. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good lord. Yeah. There you go. So that's going <laughs> to do it for I the. Mean, they're they're yeah. going to they're going to be sophomore soon. So oh, I mean, yeah. it's it's nuts. Yeah, yeah it really yeah. is nuts. So that's going to do it for the this Peter Jones portion of the segment. We're going to have the mailbag up next. But before we get to the mailbag, I just want to remind you all to please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast if you're listening via podcast app. Please give us a five star review. We would appreciate that very very much Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.